August 13th, 2010, Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back on exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at Bet Settlement. Ballot for 72 hours, T's and C's apply, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by AtTheRaces.com, your ultimate resource for finding winners. Welcome along to our weekend preview in the Final Furlong Podcast, where there are winners in waiting, hopefully. I'm your host, Thomas Kennedy, alongside Final Furlong Podcast legend, Mr. Rory DeLarge. Good afternoon. Ahead of a classic weekend at the Curra, my friend, and of course, a big handicap to get stuck into as well. We have also delighted to say got back the man who put up the Prince of Wales winner at Royal Ascot except it was for a different race from the sun <laughs> making his second appearance in the show Tom Bull welcome back my friend thank you very much David. thanks for having me on pleasure as always you did end up backing Lord North and the Prince of Wales indeed yes um, but obviously I would have preferred it if he'd gone for the Wolferton in which of course in hindsight he would have absolutely bolted up in um, but as it was you know can't complain he was still pretty impressive in the Prince of Wales yeah uh, as Nick Luck said annoyingly so these three geldings <laughs> powering clear of the field oh, well dear. indeed I know doesn't say much for our well let's not get into that but yeah yeah yeah. we've, we've done all that if you haven't listened to the <laughs> Royal Ascot reviews they're available for you now on all podcast apps and at theraces.com uh, Nick Luck Jess Stafford Jane Mangan Caroline Merton myself getting into it uh, it's a really good listen and a lot of podcasts charge you money so we've had to think about this and uh, we've decided that we're going to charge you free 99 from now on to listen to the show. Free 99. The only thing you have to do is smash that like button on SoundCloud or smash the subscribe button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else. And then you get it for free 99. I don't have any interest in charging for the podcast. A lot of people do, but no, it's not. I don't like that idea at all. The Betfair Northumberland Plate Handicap. 3.35 at Newcastle on Saturday, live on Sky Sports Racing. It's over two and a qu- two miles and a quarter of a furlong, to be absolutely precise about it. Australis, 6.0. Caravan of Hope, 8.0. Uh, Smart Champion is in there at 9.0, currently in the Bedford Exchange, with Magic Circle, 11.0. And uh, King's Advice is around about 13.0, 15.0, in fact. Uh, a horse who was just basically wiping everything up last year. He just destroyed uh, for Mark Johnston last season. Hasn't quite been the same this year. Uh, Rory, I'll start with you because you love a big handicap. So I've got the betting window open. If Tom backs up what you say, then it's max stakes. What do you reckon? Uh, it's an interesting little contest, isn't it? I'm, I'm not some... I'm not going to be going gung-ho, though. Oh. Um, I've, I've struggled to get the winner of this since they um, since they switched surface, um, suggesting I didn't struggle before they switched surface. But um, I, I'm inclined to have a couple of um, a couple of throws at, um, at biggish prices um, as it stands. Um, one who makes a, a, a fair degree of appeal is um, uh, you got the prices in front of you, I assume. Yes, I do. Uh, what price is Cosmelli? Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me scroll down. That was not the horse I was expecting you to say. 
Um, I, I did say outsiders. You did, to be fair. All right. Uh, Cosmelli is 14 to 1 with the firms, but 21.0 on Betfair. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd want to be getting about 20s. Okay. Um, um, about Cosmelli. He's. Um, he won the Vaz, the, the, um, uh, the Constellation event, a couple of years ago. Um, he's he's pretty consistent on the whole. Was a winner um, earlier in the season at um, at Chelmsford. Um, just looking back at last season's form, um, he ran in the um, in the race uh, last year, finishing two lengths fifth. Ran an absolute cracker at a big price. Um, so he's clearly very well suited by a, a big field stamina test around Newcastle. We had it ninety six last year, and despite the fact that he's won since. Um, he comes in. I don't think he get into the race. He gets. He, he comes in off um, a mark of eighty-eight. So he's eight pounds lower in the weight than he was last year. He was a winner of the consolation event a couple of years ago. I kind of thought that he'd be in that again this time. But this is clearly not as um, as classy a race as been as has been in the last couple of seasons in terms of the ratings. At least it could be well handicapped horses in there. And I thought he was. Um, I thought he was the kind of horse to give you a really good run for your money at a biggish price. Um, George Rook. Uh, was successful on him at Chelmsford. He's had professional jockeys on his last couple of starts. Uh, and George is back on claiming five of them as well. So we'd have seven stone uh, 13 on his back, I believe. Um, and uh, as I said, he's, he's, um, he's got the form in the book. He's, and he's largely um, a consistent sort as well. So he, did, he looks, he looks and I wouldn't say thrown in, but he looks very well treated to run a big race. And he's probably the main, main chance at the moment. Um, he was uh, 25s earlier in the week. Um, that, was, that was probably overs on him. Uh, 20s would be would be interesting because he's kind of he's not a particularly sexy horse um, in terms of you know you tend to be looking at unexposed uh, runners in this sort of race. Um, but he looks sure to, to run a, a decent contest. And if he's 20s, and you're getting you know the 50 odd six places, uh, that would look tremendous value because he's you know he's got a very solid profile um, in this kind of race. Uh, so he's he'd be top of the pile for me. Um, Just on that, Rory, given the fact uh, yes. that it's twenty runners and racing, we were saying this in pre-production that racing is coming at us thick and fast now. Uh, yeah. So a number of these horses would have competed elsewhere, um, but some of them will have had this as, as a long-term target. The the market in the morning. How do you see that developing? Because it's it's very congested right now. Uh, not often I've got a strong view on this. Um, and we talked about withhold a couple of years ago, for example. Yep. Um, where I could see, you know, I thought this, this is the horse you go off much, much shorter in the, in the morning. Um, you know, in, in the right circumstances, or she'd landed a big gamble at, um, a new market in the sense. I think he ended up being weak in the market. He did. He was, he- it was heavily backed overnight and then he ended up being weak on the day. Spot on. Um, but still, still bolted up. So it's, it's not, not particularly easy to tell. Uh, and it's harder to tell this year because you've got a lot, a lot of horses who you would have expected to have prep runs. I mean, for me, um, historically, the, uh, the season for races like this uh, used to begin with the Queen's Prize at, at uh, Kempton um, early in the, the spring. Uh, and then you have a number of, uh, of decent staying handicaps leading up to this. Uh, but we're kind of, we're almost straight into it really this season. So there's, there's less, um, less evidence to glean. So there could easily be a, um, a big charge on one. Um, Australis was obviously very well back when the, when the market opened. Um, and he's got the right kind of profile for this as well. Uh, so I could see, I could see Australis being, being punted. 
Um, but I don't, I, don't have, I don't have a hugely strong view of that at the moment. Um, I, I'm interested in one that are, what I hope will be a really, really big price on the exchange. Uh-oh. Go on. Hiroshima. Hiroshima is 51.0 on the Betfair exchange. Yeah, I reckon, I reckon this is the kind of watch you could be looking at tri- triple-figure prices for. Um, and he's not. I, I couldn't possibly put him forward as a strong fancy for this. I haven't seen him this season. Um, he's... Um, He's got patchy enough looking form uh, on paper, but he was he was pretty um, um, pretty highly tried last year. He won he won a maiden on the uh, all weather at Sutherland his reappearance last year by a wide margin uh, from a, a subsequent handicap winner, um, and they then went the Derby with him and ran him in the Lingfield Derby trial. Then he ran him at Epsom where he finished eleventh. Then he ran him the Ulster Derby at Down Royal, um, and he was gelded after that and brought back for one run in the autumn where he was far from disgraced at a massive price. Again, he ran a four-runner conditions race, and he went off at a Betfair speed of 147, uh, to give you an idea of, of how underrated he was. Well, well, the market might think of him. The market might, might overrate him, actually. But um, uh, and, and, you know, you could argue that that was a pretty decent effort after a break on heavy ground, finishing third to Trushan, who's a, a, a decent horse in Hamish, um, who ran a, a decent race at Royal Ascot last week, and the Hardwick Stakes was second. Um, he was a fair way off them, but he beat a decent handicap with Mark Johnson's well for for uh, third place. And he's he's just a hard horse to weigh up. He, he went into handicaps off a mark of 93 in the first place. He just said that one day he didn't run his race at all um, at Down Royal. It may well be that he that he, he didn't travel. It may well be that it was, it was too soon after Epsom. Uh, there's plenty of reasons you can put down for a, a poor run there. But um, he, he wasn't a massive price for that. He was rated 93 at the time. Gelded since, ran respectively on his, his next start, and comes in here as a four-year-old, looking like he should, you know, his profile suggests he, you know, a good run of things should see him improve this season. Um, although it's difficult to know exactly what mark he, he's improving from. But 87, based on what he did at, at even at Southall, is not a horrible mark. Um, uh, obviously, you know, his best performance on paper is that run in the derby because he wasn't beaten that. He's beaten 11 lengths in the derby. Um, and obviously, you know, you're racing against horses in the high 110s, etc. There, but we know that the Derby last year, a wasn't a terrific race and, and didn't necessarily stretch the runners out as much as it might have as well. Um, you could argue that Telecaster's boosted the form, having finished behind him at Epsom. Um, but I thought off 87, John Ryan does well um, with um, uh, with his good handicappers. He's not the not the most fashionable trainer in, in Newmarket by any manner of means, um, but He's had a few in these colours over the years that have, that have been okay. Um, and the owner particularly likes having decent stayers as well, uh, it seems to me. So he's a bit of a blank page for Moshima. Uh, how fit he is for this, I don't know. There are two in the race in the same colours, mm. and they're both going to be rank outsiders. Um, but I just thought he was the kind of force, Savannah Star being the other one, and he's interesting in old form, um, seems to have rather lo- lost his way. But yeah, as I said, I think he could be interesting. He's a very, very hard horse to put a, to put a rating on and a hard horse to, to put a price on as well. But I can see him being a huge price. And if he is a huge price, um, as we saw with one or two at Royal Ascot last week, worth throwing a few bob one at that. I wouldn't be telling anyone to back him at the fixed odds price at the moment or even asking for a little bit over the, the you know the 50 on, on Betfair at the moment. I think it's one of those that, um, I would I would just say um, if uh, if the market doesn't speak for him, it's not necessarily a sign. 
Um, and if he drifts to a big, big price, then he might be of interest. He's one I want to keep on, on, on side this year. I think he'll find his level. I think he'll win races. It might be asking too much, but then again, you know, he could be well handicapped of 87. Uh, and I wouldn't want to let him go entirely. Uh, is that your shortlist, so those two? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I can have a shortlist of 12 in this. It's not it's not difficult to do. You can make a case for quite a lot of horses, but I, I want to cut through that and just put, on, put in a couple that I'm interested in um, at, at prices. Well, to be fair, you're going for it with the prices. And um, that then lays down the gauntlet to you, Tumble. Just the <laughs> just the twenty one point oh shot and a fifty point oh shot fifty one point oh shot currently uh, on the bet for exchange for the two selections for Roy Delargy. Follow that one. Yeah, I mean that's very very brave, and I like it. It's um, fortune favors the brave, as we all know. Um, I definitely agree with Cosmelli. I've backed that horse in the past. Actually, the last time I backed it was at Newcastle after it won at Chelmsford, and I think it was a horse actually that. Um, brought George Rook's claim down from seven to five pounds. So I could be wrong, but I think he was. Um, he ran, I thought he ran a really good prep for this behind Collide, who also runs in this race, who didn't run a great race at Royal Ascot, unfortunately. But I think he's he's definitely got a chance of this mark. Um, I'm going to shy away from him, though, because I've he's been responsible for burning my pocket too many times. Uh, so I will be going actually further up the market because I think the four-year-olds in this race hold all the aces. I think Australis and Caravan of Hope with that race they had together at Wolverhampton, I think that's the, the biggest pointer to this contest this year. I think they're both really improving progressive four-year-olds. And I rather side with Caravan of Hope at this stage. I just think this race is going to suit him better. Um, this horse has been a big improver for Hugo Palmer in the last three or four starts since really tackling proper staying trips. Um, and he was just run out of things at Wolverhampton behind Australis, but he lost, he actually lost his left fore shoe that day. Now, how much of an actual impact that made on his performance is up for debate, but um, clearly it wasn't ideal. And he had to come from the rear, whereas Australis had the run of the race on the inside in about third or fourth. And um, Caravan, who actually went off seven to four favourite that day, Australis was five to two roughly. And the money really came for Caravan of Hope. And I know that Hugo Palmer thinks an awful lot of him. He said that in a stable tour earlier in the season. And this was definitely still got untapped potential over the two mile half furlong trip. Um, he's up four pounds for that second, which again isn't ideal, but I do think he's the kind of horse who could yet progress again over this extra two furlongs. He's half brother to a two mile hurdle winner. Um, and he had a long old break before Wolverhampton, so possibly needed it and will come on for that. So I think Caravan of Hope is definitely one of the more exposed, more exciting horses in the race. I think Australis, despite the fact that he beat him last time, he really showed a really good attitude that day, actually, which was possibly something he didn't do so much last year. Um, he really stuck his neck out. And the, the pair finished a long way clear, and I think the form is pretty solid. Um, he's only up £5 for that performance. Um, but I do think that he's, he's got a kind of a big, lumpy frame, and I wouldn't be sure that this stiffer test will suit him as well as Caravan of Hope. Um, not, I mean, you know... We had to see he did a, he produced a big performance to beat him that day, and he's obviously got untapped potential too. But um, I think of the two, I'd be keener on Caravan of Hope, and also, of course, it does help that he's a slightly bigger price. Um, yeah, I mean, of the others, you know, there's there's, there's pl- as Rory, so there's plenty of this in who've got big chances. Khan uh, won for Charlie Fellows. He won the the Vars last year in really good style, and um, he's, he's nine pounds higher now, which means 
It's great to see him in the plate itself. And he produced a big run in Kempton in February, where he probably should have won, um, but he got overhauled in, in the final strides. And then probably led a bit too early when run out of things late on at Newcastle um, later on. And I'm sure all, all rows will have led to this for Charlie Fellows. He's had a great week, obviously, last week, and is still banging in the winners. So I think Carl went on a run well, too. A uh, smart champion, I think, is going to suffer from having run a, a big race in the Ascot Stakes over two and a half miles. To come back from that now is very tough. And David Simcock has had a bit of a a torrid season so far he, he got off the mark for the first time on Sunday but he's north from 17 on turf and um, I just don't think that that, that horse is going to win this um, Rory obviously mentioned one at a really big price Hiroshima I've also got one at a rather enormous price oi, oi. Um, and please don't laugh because it is one of those horses that you put up and people probably will laugh um, financial conduct who I don't know what price is on the exchange but he's around about 66 to 1 on the book 74.0 yeah and as Rory said about Hiroshima it's the kind of horse that will probably go out to, to, to three figures um, and you, I can imagine you're both looking at the screen thinking what is he on um, but there are reasons to be positive about his chance he's actually extremely likely raised for a six year old and um, he went he, he started off his career in Ireland and, and applied his trade for Andy Oliver over at Dundalk and actually had a pretty decent level of form. Um, he was rated 88 when moving, um, when winning on, on his final start when he won and then went up to 97 over here on the flats. And he wasn't great for David Simcock. Um, I think he'd had a troubled preparation. He obviously struggled with injury. Um, he's now rated back to 88. So he's actually nine pounds lower than he was then. And since then, he's had a couple of starts over hurdles, three starts over hurdles, hasn't cut any ice there, particularly, although he did finish second in a Ludlow maiden hurdle. And then last time we saw him was back at Newcastle over a mile and a half, extended mile and a half, uh, at the beginning of June on his reappearance, which he absolutely will have needed. He started off 40-1 that day, quite clearly wasn't expected to win, and actually <laughs> eventually unseated poor old Jim Crowley. Um towards the end of the race, but he was he was never going to win that. However, that was not his true running. He's now down four pounds to 88, and he will come on a ton for that run and will definitely appreciate this longer trip. Now, like Rory said about Hiroshima, I'm not telling you to go all guns blazing on him, but I can see him running a pretty good race in first-time cheap pieces under Sylvester D'Souza at a big old price because he should not be 66 to 1. On his old form, if he was coming here having produced his Irish form which he could still still has time to reproduce he would be a lot shorter so I think financial conduct at a big old price but, my, but the one for me in this race is Caravan of Hope he's got a pretty nasty draw and store 17 but I think he is the one to beat he's a progressive four year old and I think he's got a big future of his staying distances yeah, he was always improving as a three year old but took his form to a whole new level last time out financial mm. conduct Sylvester D'Souza on board coming out of store five I'm kind of becoming, I'm not giggling at all. I'm kind of intrigued by this. Very yeah, it's, it's You kind of need to ignore or at least find excuses for his more recent three runs, which I have actually done. Um, but as soon as you look past that, you can definitely make a case for him. If we do a reverse yeah, forecast. I, I can tell you to work out whether he's going to run well or not. Very simple, very simple way of, of determining whether you're going to get a run for your money. Uh, read the trainer's comments on the um, Lamborn Trainers website. Are they there yet by any chance? No, they won't be there until the morning. Damn and if he says he thinks he's got an each way chance, you can forget it. <laughs> if he says he's planning to have it shot in the evening, 
um, then you should probably back it. <laughs> uh, I've only seen comments for two of Charlie Mann's horses there, and it's one of those where trainers, um, someone collates uh, comments from trainers about their, their runners. And in theory, it's quite it's quite helpful. You know, trainers tell you, you know, we're running here because it's the ideal trip. Well, we'd like to run on a different trip, but they're on the races, and you'd probably come off the run, that kind of thing. Um, and the only two winners that I've, I've noticed comments from Charlie have been um, this has got no chance whatsoever. <laughs> uh, the first one, um, he said, this horse won't even be in my yard on Sunday because um, I'm asking the owners to take it away. And it then landed a gamble. Uh, so you can read into that what you will. Um, Excellent. Excellent. But yeah, I, I fancied one of his outsiders a couple of weeks ago and he gave it a quite a quite a nice write-up. And I was thinking, well, he's normally very negative, so he thinks this has got an each-way chance. It's quadrupled in price and finished tailed off. Oh, dear. Um, so, so possibly wise to watch the market as so well. The, then, so the, the more negative the trainer sounds, uh, the more confident <laughs> you can be back in it. We've got an angle here. So if he says something bad about the horse, get stuck in. Uh, financial conduct and Hiroshima. Imagine if we did the reverse forecast there and it came off. Rather ironic, actually, he's called financial conduct if uh, Charlie Mann has got nothing to do with that, I suppose. He'll be he'll be out of my yard in the morning, let me tell you, after he goes and wins. Uh, Magic Circle will have his first start for over a year, and now with a new trainer. He's been switched from Ian Williams, who also has a runner for the good doctor in this race, uh, but now in the hands of Richard Fahey. And um, we haven't seen him since he took on Stradivarius in the Gold Cup last year. So it'll be interesting to see how Magic Circle gets on, but uh, that's the Northumberland plate. We'll switch to Ireland. Classic weekend at the Curra for the Irish Derby, and Aidan O'Brien has uh, reduced his field of 10 to 6, and Rachel Blackmore will have her first ever ride in the race as well. She's going to be on Emmett Mullins' King of Throne. Emmett, of course, can't be there for reasons that we have discussed on the podcast before, and I don't really feel the need to mention that again. Uh, Ballydoyle Jockey Bookings. Wayne Lorden is on board Arthur's Kingdom. Uh, you've then got Ronan Whelan coming in for Dawn Patrol. Uh, Michael Hussey will be on board Iberia. Podrick Beggy probably wins on Order of Australia. Uh, Shamie Heffernan will be on board Santiago, Billy Lee on Sherpa, and Emmett McNamara rides Tiger Moth. The revised betting after the market has changed sees Santiago a three to one shot, Arthur's Kingdom fives, 11 to two in places, and slightly bigger in the fair exchange. Crossfire Hurricane for Joseph O'Brien, who's won this race in the past, six to one. Fiscal Rules, an eight to one shot, and then Tiger Moth, who I'm quite keen on. And Tony Keenan did a lovely piece for At The Races, very in-depth, very detailed. Highly recommend you check it out, at atthereaces.com. Um, Tony Keenan's assessment and uh, some breaking down some of the more recent trends as well. Some great stuff there from Tony, uh, but he's pretty bullish about Tiger Moth, who is 14 to 1 and currently 16.0 on the Betfair Exchange. Uh, Rory, your thoughts on the Irish Derby? It's a very, very different and... Hopefully this is only going to be a one-off for us as the Irish Derby comes before Epsom next week. Most of these horses having their first attempt at this trip. Tom and I were speaking beforehand. Doesn't look the greatest race on paper, but this then does give us the opportunity to be able to go and take a right old swing at it, potentially. Yeah, it does. You can, you can, you can take a, um, a number of different views here, particularly on, on you know, how you perm the Eden O'Brien runners in the race and how you view his challenge. Um, Someone was asking me if I if I fancied uh, Santiago's chance if he'd gone if he went to Epsom and um, I, I doubt you will find 
a horse who's who's won the Derby, having won over a mile and three quarters previously. And obviously, you know, that's not going to happen this year with, with him either. But, you know, um, horses running in Derby, stepping back in trips, a very unusual thing. It's more likely in the Irish Derby because it tends to come later in the uh, in the season. Um, three-year-olds don't tend to get a chance to race over a mile and three quarters until, um, uh, until uh, mid to late May, I suppose, normally. Um, so that's that's unusual. Uh, he was impressive um, at Ascot, and he's a horse, you know, who immediately jumped to the forefront of the betting with the St. Ledger. But uh, you've got to you've got to remember that, that the Queen's Vals is a very different race from from the Irish Derby. And I thought he was, um, you know, if you, if you look at it in terms of race course, recent race course achievements, he does stand out. But it, it would be a, a poor Irish Derby if um, the Queen's Vals winner is automatically a short price favourite for it. Um, which obviously you know wouldn't happen in normal circumstances anyway. But the Queen's Vaz isn't isn't always that strong of a race. It's certainly not not a strong race in terms of what happens over a mile and a half uh, later in the season. Um, it is it is potentially for 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 you know, those horses who are going to become ledger horses, and we've seen ledger winners um, contest the Queen's Vaz and not necessarily win it in the past as well. But I I want to be against Santiago just on the on the basis that um, this is a drop back in trip in what's probably going to be different conditions. A different kind of track um, for all they have their similarities, and very quickly on the back of that of that run, uh, which was a seasonal reappearance, so it's the biggest run of his career, and this will come eight days afterwards. It seems to me a recipe for um, for a bounce, uh, or or you know just a slight you know a slight drop in form rather than a step forward. Um, you know, give him, give him three weeks, a month after that run and, and, and run him again at a mile and three quarters and I'd be looking for a big performance from Santiago. But um, coming so quickly in the back of, of Ascot uh, and at this trip in a race that can throw up shocks anyway, um, I I, um, I want to be against him, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the tricky thing is when you get there is finding something that you think is, is solid enough. Um, and I think every single horse in this race has question marks against it, so I want to take a chance. Um, and, and look for something that's liable to improve or you know there's a, a reasonably obvious one there at a, at a fair price that deserves a mention that's fiscal rules mm. um, he's, he's very much bred to, to stay he's by make-believe he's a miner um, but he's very much bred to stay beyond this trip on a, a stand side um, you know he's a half-brother to um, uh, to horses who stayed a mile and a half uh, Chimera the, the half-sister was was a uh, winner at a mile and three quarters um, and the dam uh, won uh, just short of um, of this trip as well. Uh, the question is whether um, whether he is going to take after the, the dam side of his pedigree or, or the sire side. And to be honest, having watched him race, he looks like he wants him. You know, it, it, it's a big step up miles to a mile and a half, but he doesn't look a miler to me at all. Um, he ran a very good race to be fifth in the Irish Guineas, uh, and some people would say, "Well, he's he's flattered by finishing." Um, not by finishing as close as he did, but by the fact that a few horses were hampered there and he's managed to avoid trouble. But if you watch the whole race, he's he's compromised early on. He was slowest away from the stalls in the first place. He's then recovered to take a decent position, but he's always behind a wall of horses. And there was lots of fighting for position and scrimmaging in front of him. And although he wasn't hampered, he wasn't able to move any closer when he was travelling well. And then when the race started in earnest with two furlongs to go, he was, you know, again, probably dead last or one from last. Um... Uh, as they began the sprint for home. And he's not, he doesn't move like he wants to sprint. He just kept staying on. And I thought he stayed on very pleasingly into fifth. And I suppose if I, it, it, you know, if, if I had to pick one to win the race, 
uh, with no considerations of value or anything else, um, or scant consideration of value, I would I'd have to put him in very high on the short list because I think he is very liable to improve. Certainly, the third race of his career, he's had a little longer to recover from. It. He said a bit, of, a bit over two weeks. Again, that's not ideally not long enough, um, but I think he deserves a, a big mention because he's not a much shorter price than horses who've achieved a lot less than him. Uh, and yet you'd like to think he's got the same kind of upside as they would have as well. So he'd be very high on the short list. But I think I'm going to take a chance on one here. And it is taking a, a bit of a chance. And that's, um, that's Dawn Patrol, who was who was behind Tiger Moth um, when the pair of them made their reappearance at, at Leopardstown. Um, Aidan O'Brien trained the first four home in that maiden. Um, and it is not outstanding form. Um, but I think the crucial thing about that race was that Aidan was very keen to run as many potential um, Irish Derby horses, if you like, in that race because it was it was um, it was the second day back. Uh, this was on the 9th of June, and as I said, here was was racing in the UK. Uh, trainers are very keen to get their horses out, uh, the good horses out, very early um, if they think they want they want to prep and they want to step up to something decent. Um, uh, you know, look at. Uh, Look at John Gosling of Palace Pier, for example. Look at a number of Royal Ascot uh, winners who, who prepped at Newcastle. Um, you know, th- those horses who ran really early, it, it's a sign of intent. The trainers want to give them the, the best kind of preparation they can for stepping up. Um, and although the form is not outstanding, I thought that it was Lambeau to throw up plenty of winners that race. Tiger Moth um, showed a good attitude to win. Don Patrol rather put his head in the air in the closing stages, but that was just his second start. And I, I, I'd be more inclined to put that under greenness than anything else. I wouldn't be certain Tiger Moth would stay um, on, on pedigree, although it's very hard. To, it's not, not easy to read um, those families. Galileo tends to inject stamina in there. An awful lot of speed in the damn side of the pedigree with Tiger Moth. Um, you know, fine for a long speed generally, but he stayed a mile and a quarter well, albeit at a slowly run race. I just thought Don Patrol was the type who would improve a lot. Um, he was favoured for that race, but he was weak in the, in the betting just before the off. The money came for Tiger Moth, um, that was justified. Uh, but Dawn Patrol was, was weak as if um, they thought he might need the race more. The market tell, often tells you the story of multiple runners from, from Kilmore for obvious reasons. And if there was one in there who I thought was going to improve 20 pounds from one run to another, it was him. Um, he may not do, you know, he's, he's, very, he's, he's, a, he's a, very closely related to Pour Moi. Mm. Um, Half-brother. Yeah, and also another another uh, three parts of uh, three parts brother uh, perhaps, uh, and uh, another three parts sister uh, was placed in the Irish Oaks as well. Um, so it's a it's a very good family um, and a proper man and a half family. Out of a Darshan, Merrick, Gwyn, who never ran, um, but you know, Pourmoi improved uh, markedly to go and win the uh, the Derby, and I thought Don Patrol was the type of horse who could improve a big chunk um, going into this race. It's taken a big chance. What he's achieved so far doesn't doesn't give him anything like the chance you'd expect. But look at the, you know, look at uh, the, the amount of improvement that the favourite found last time out. You know, Santiago was coming here on his you know first start of the season uh, with the form that he showed last season. He'd have less chance than Don Patrol, and yet he improved that massive chunk um, going to to Royal Ascot. I think Don Patrol is one of those horses who could also have that amount of improvement in him. The jockey bookings don't particularly suggest that, but as you said before, Emmett. You can read too much into jockey bookings. I probably want a bigger price than he is at the moment, but I would have thought he would drift based on the jockey bookings. 
and the cap colors and stuff. He's wearing a pink cap, according to my paper. Yes. People don't, people don't like that. No. Um, I know they've got spare pink caps and stuff um, in the uh, in the in the uh, the Coolmore uh, colors cupboard, um, but it's not a it's not a pretty combination the uh, the Tabor colors with the pink cap. But I hope that won't really matter. Um, and I, I, you know, I could see him being a twenties book uh, for this on the day. That may not turn out to be the case. Um, but I think people feel the need to, to sort out the um, uh, the O'Brien runners, um, you know, before the market truly forms on, on course. Um, or in the minutes before the race, and I, he's the kind of horse who was was running, wheeling, riding, um, and in the second colour, as people will ignore a little bit. So I'm hoping to get a bigger price than he is at the moment, um, and I'd be hopeful that there's a lot of improvement in him. I'd be surprised if he's not over twenties in the morning, unless the final Furlong podcast army are following you in, Rory. In which case, he'll go off favourite. Well, don't follow me in now. Wait, you've got to wait for the drift. Hold mad tough. Hold my tough, wait, and then pile into the Galileo Darshan cross, which has proved to be very beneficial over these distances in the past. Uh, I think Tiger Moth will stay, and uh, I can I can have this backed up by the fact that Tom heard me yesterday on the radio putting up Tiger Moth. I also put up Aaron Levine, who's been switched to Epsom. Oh, damn it! I'd taken 66s, got cut into 25s. I was thinking, oh, this is great. And then I see the tweet from Ballydoll this morning. Yeah, we're sending an hour on the V into Epsom. Oh, God, God, no. Anyway, uh, Tiger Moth, I think, will stay. I think he might improve for the step up and trip, and I think he's probably the fastest of these in the race as well. Um, Order of Australia is another horse that I'm interested in, who is behind both Tiger Moth and Dawn Patrol uh, and is a big old price. And part of the reason for that, Tom, is because I'm quite keen to take a swing at something here. I'm very, very keen to go for, for something at a price. Santiago was brilliant at Ascot, but as Rory has pointed out in his um, assessment, for those reasons alone, um, I would be of a similar mindset. I'd be quite keen to take him on. Uh, where are you currently landing on the Irish Derby? Yeah, I think it's worth saying just before I give my selection or selections that um, I think the Irish Derby, the poor old Irish Derby has really suffered this year from 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 its calendar position and a lack of trial races, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you're not going to find a, a Camelot or a Jack Hobbs or a, even a high chaparral in here, are you? I mean, it has, it has really suffered. I think, I mean, that that's not to say it's not extremely interesting because it's very, very competitive indeed. Um, a really interesting race, but there are only two group winners in the entire field, which is, I mean, it just says it says it all really, mm. um, which is you know pretty astonishing for a usual Irish Derby. Uh, this is not a usual one, so you know that's the reason why. But um, it's a shame there's no overseas runners as well. I know the Richard Hughes is going to bring over Brentford Hope more than likely, but he's sadly suffered a, a, a setback, so he won't be coming over. Um, it's an interesting, very interesting race, and one that sees plenty of horses open to bags and bags of improvement. Um, you've already covered a few of those. I'll, I'll start with Galileo Chrome, who I who I do quite like at a bigger price, which is for Brian. A very interesting jockey bookie, actually, with Eddie Greatrex taking the ride. Um, this is an interesting run. I was really taken by his performance to win a maiden last time because he didn't really get much of a clear run at the Curra. Um, and it was only late on that he got, managed to get his long, scopy stride going. And that was a one mile two. So I expect the extra two furlongs to be right up his alley. Um, and he's obviously bred for the job. And uh, after just two starts, makes plenty of appeal as a horse 
who's got more to come. So I think he's he's a bigger he's a bigger price. I do like, but the the one actually that, that I've come down upon, um, well, there's two really, but the the main one is is one that Rory mentioned: fiscal rules. I'd be very interested in him. He is, as Rory mentioned, a half-brother's Chimera, who is a, a group winner of a, a mile and three quarters. So there should be no real issue with him staying the trip. And judged on his guineas effort when he was staying on nicely towards the finish, I would expect that to be no problem at all. Um, it, obviously, his debut form when he was behind Wichita, Wichita, I should say, Wichita. worked out very well. <laughs> Wichita, exactly. Um, worked out really well, as we know, because he's uh, run big races in both the Guineas and the St. James' Palace. And... Um, I thought that performance in the 2000 Guineas was full of promise. I mean, he was one of the recipients of that nasty Siskin bump. And um, although didn't have enough speed for that race quite, he stayed on really nicely for six. It was just his second start. And I have to say, I know it's going to sound ridiculous, but I almost feel like saying this race is a slight drop in grade, even though it's still a group one. I'd agree. Um, yeah, because I don't think it features a Siskin, or even, dare I say, a Vatican City. I'd agree. I think it's got a big chance if he does go to Epsom. Um, and I think fiscal rules will come on a ton for that debut outing, the way that he was ridden and the way that he stayed on towards the finish. Um, Jim Bolger's won the race in the past, the trading leather. He knows what it takes to win this race. And although this horse might not be in the same realm of ability as trading leather was, he may not need to be because the ceiling of this race, Santiago is the, the highest rated horse in the, in the contest and he's only rated 111. So in actual fact... It might only take a horse running to say 114, 115 to win an Irish Derby this year. And you wouldn't put that past fiscal rules at all. And the other horse you wouldn't put it past, in for, well, as far as I'm concerned anyway, is Crossfire Hurricane, who we haven't actually chatted about yet. Um, he was a bit of a revelation, I thought, in the Gallinule. As he cruised up from the rear on the outside in a pretty decent race and put the race to bed very, very quickly indeed. Beat Gold Maze, who reopposes now. And there's only three pounds on ratings between them, but I think he was he, he was more emphatic than that would suggest. Um, interesting runner, because obviously he's made his, his debut on D- at Dundalk. He's then run a couple of more times on the sand. And although they're not the most fashionable of routes to be taken to the, to the Irish Derby, I mean, Dundalk has produced Group 1 horses in the past, and I think this one probably in time will land a Group 1. Whether or not it's the Irish Derby on Saturday, we don't know, but it could well be. The way that he won the race, the Gallinule, suggests that this extra two furlong won't be a massive issue. And, as, and for a horse who likes to pounce late, I always feel that stamina isn't as much of a premium as it would be with, say, a more prominent horse at the Curragh. Um, so I would imagine they'll be looking for a bit of luck in running, like they did in the Gallinule, and they'll come with a, a creeping effort towards the outside like they did last time, and hopefully pick up the pieces late on. Um, he's improved every time he stepped up in trip, but he also has plenty of speed, as he showed when winning over a mile at Dundalk. And um, the ground should be absolutely perfect for him, provided they don't get a rain, which they're not due. So um, hopefully, Crossfire Hurricane will run a, run a big run a big race under, under Shane Cross. Shane Crossfire Hurricane, if you will. Um, <laughs> don't coin. I won't go with coin in that one. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Joseph have won the Irish Derby with Latrobe in the past. He was a different kind of horse to Crossfire Hurricane. He likes to be up the pace, and stamina was more his game than I think Crossfire Hurricane, um, who's more about speed. But I think in a race that's devoid of, possibly devoid of proper Group One horses, I don't think. I think. Well, I think Crossfire Hurricane could yet be a top level performer, and I think him and Fiscal Rules are definitely the more interesting uh, runners in the race for me. And I think they can definitely get the better of Aidan O'Brien's Santiago. I think this is a very quick turnaround. And obviously, if there's one man who's capable of doing that, it's Aidan O'Brien. But 
It was a big shock up in trip to land the Queen's Fast at Ascot. That is a race that, in my opinion, completely and totally fell apart because punctuation and Bournemouth pride went off like scalded cats. And they went far too quickly. Obviously, by the end of the race, had nothing left. Noble prize. His effort petered out. He didn't quite stay. Berkshire Rocco was the only other runner in the race, in my opinion, who actually ran to his level. And he was beaten comprehensively by English King at the Lingfield Derby trial, um, who almost kind of went past him on the bridle. And on a straight line through that, you'd say Santiago has a little bit to find with English King. However, he doesn't have to find anything with English King because he's not running the same race. He has got to take on horses so far have shown much inferior ability. So you can understand why Santiago is favourite for this race because he stands out as clearly having the best form. But the fact that his real improved form gave a one mile six, it was a race that takes a bit of guessing and takes a bit of getting over. We've seen that from Queen's Vars winners in the past. And the drop back to one mile four might not suit him as well as others who are stepping up to one a mile and a half. So I, I would be avoiding him. I'd certainly be avoiding Arthur's Kingdom, who I don't particularly rate. Um, I don't think I don't think Pile Driver is going to be particularly good in the future. He was only rated 103 before winning Ascot, and um, I would I would have wanted Arthur's Kingdom to show a bit more that day. So for me, Crossfire Hurricane, Fiscal Rules are the two to concentrate on. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if Galileo Chrome runs a big price. I don't expect him to run a big race. Sorry, I don't expect him to win, um, but I think he could pick up the pieces later on. And, get a place possibly but yeah fiscal rules for me is the one I've come down on um, just because I think this extra trip is really going to suit him but I wouldn't be surprised to see Crossfire Hurricane run a big race too I think we'll see Jim Bulger in the winner's enclosure tomorrow. we're recording on Thursday I think we'll see him in the winner's enclosure tomorrow at the Curragh with Assurance in the Maiden who they thought an awful lot of as a juvenile she's taken a while to get the hang of things but she'll probably break her duck tomorrow um, and, and he's got a huge chance with fiscal rules like he has to have just he lacks experience all of these horses are victims of circumstance they're all victims of, of what's happened this season and you haven't had a belly sacks you haven't had you only had you only had the Darrenstown you haven't had the the ideal opportunity to get to run these horses. And don't forget, we're a week behind the UK as well. So Irish horses are very much on the back foot, which is why I would be so inclined to take a swing at something at a big price. And it's also an Irish derby unlike anything we've ever seen before, because you don't have horses coming from Epsom or horses coming from France uh, who've just about failed or have managed to win the Derby and now they're coming in search of more glory. It's a very, very different type of race. And, and for that reason, I'm keen to go with Tiger Moth. Um, the ground is good at the Curra right now and there's no reason for that to change. I think there's going to be rain on Sunday, but today is the hottest day of the year in Ireland. The sun is splitting the stones and that's to continue to Friday and Saturday as well. So, um, on the little evidence that we have, good ground would be key. So I'll go with Tiger Moth. Um, Rory, you're going to go with Dawn Patrol. And of the two, is it fiscal, fiscal rules you'd side with more so, Tom? Yeah, fiscal rules, I think, just ahead of Crossfire Hurricane, but I expect both of them to run really big races, hopefully. Yeah. It's going to be a fascinating race to watch. And it'll be interesting to see how they develop from there as well. Just very, very briefly, because we'll, Rory and I will get into this next week with um, with our guest for the Derby. Uh, the Ballydoll runners for Epsom are Aaron Levine, Russian Emperor, Mogul, Vatican City, Mythical. Armory is a possible, however, he may well be rerouted to France, where he will join Fort Myers in the French Derby, if that's the case. Of the horses that we've seen so far, and we saw Sir Michael Stout's Niarcos horse win yesterday, highest ground, who would be your derby pick right now for Epsom Tom? 
uh, of those ones you mentioned, I'm I'm keener on Vatican City than the others. Um, I don't think Russian Emperor's level of form is particularly high, and I, although I think he'll improve once again for for the mile and a half, I'd be more keen on Vatican City, whose level of form in the Guineas is is higher, in my opinion. And he didn't get a clear run that day at all, and I think he would have finished a lot closer to Siskin had he got that nicer passage through. And I think. Um, He's not guaranteed to stay on pedigree, but I think he will. And the way that he stayed on does give me hope that he will. And he's got that little bit of speed, that little bit of class, I think. After only, he's only had three starts. Um, I expect a huge amount of improvement to come. So he's me my pick. Definitely not Mogul. I think he, he's, he's, he was, despite the fact he made an O'Brien said he really needed to run. I think that was really, really poor effort at Ascot. Um, so I think Vatican City marginally over Russian Emperor for me, of, of those runners. Okay. Worth pointing out, if you haven't listened to the Royal Ascot review yet, that Jane Mangan was saying, you know, none of us could be there, that he did look fat as a fool in the parade ring. Um, and probably did need the run, but you're right. He would need to improve significantly. Uh, that's two votes, by the way, on the final forum podcast for Vatican City. That's Nick Luck and Tom now both going for him. Rory, for you? Uh, English King. I don't have to, to go for a, a cool more horse, do I? Not at all. No, no, no. Who, who you no, think no, will no. win? I was, I was very sweet English King uh, going into to Lingfield. You know, the value's gone out of him um, in terms of how he shortened up since that. But I was... I was really impressed with him uh, at Newcastle um, prior to that, um, and he's clearly he's clearly very high class. And I just love the way he went through the race at Linkfield last time. He was given a lovely ride to do that, and the form has worked out. You know, I know I know um, uh, the runner-up was was beaten a fair way um, at Ascot last week, but he's shown that that he's capable of backing that that form up. Um, the pair of them were were well clear at Linkfield. I just like English King. He's he's really well balanced. He's nicely put together. Um, I think it handled the track really well and he's got a proper turn of foot. Um, so I'm very much hoping that we're going to see um, a different uh, winning trainer uh, in the derby uh, for a change. Although familiar colours. Familiar colours. Frankie Dettori. Various, of course, yeah. yeah for, I mean, obviously there's, there's an awful lot of chat about that. And for those of us who've lived through Leicester Pickett jogging people off every, every year uh, in the derby, it's not... I think there's been an awful lot of outrage about it. It's, it's very, it's very unfortunate for for Tom Marcon. I think Ed Walker's got a lot of flack for it that he doesn't deserve because um, it's not his choice in the first place. Exactly. Um, and the fact, you know, the fact that, that the owner has a long-standing agreement with Frankie de Tori, uh means this was this was liable to happen. Um, but yeah, the idea that well, if you rape your jockey in the first place, you would never do this. But you know, life and business tends to be like this, um, and it makes. It, you know, it, it's potentially something that will make a man of of, um, of Tom Marcan as well. And of course, he's come out of this extremely well. Um, he's he's um, he's come across very well in interviews, and more importantly, he's been banging in the winners since as well. Yeah. Um, so it'll, it'll only help him in a matter of speaking in the long run. It, you know, it's, it's a kick in the teeth to potentially miss a Derby winner. Um, but if you can come through that with your reputation um, intact and your determination to, to succeed increased um then you will very much make the grade and, and he's going to the top this time very much agreed i suspect though and what a story this would be if tom marquan was to come in for the ride on highest ground who bolts up in the derby come on alan cooper confirm he's a runner let's go let's get this done 
It's Landis Gamble, please. Thank you very much. God, that was impressive yesterday. If you haven't seen it, watch it back. Um, he's got it a was, isn't it? Really was. He's good. He's very, very good. August 13th, 2010. Frankel wins for the first time at Newmarket, beginning an incredible run of 14 wins. All great streaks start somewhere, so start your own with Betfair's free bet streak. Simply bet £20 on the exchange this week and get a £5 free bet. If you win with a free bet, you'll get another. It's that simple. Free bet streak from Betfair. Weekly opt-in, back all exchange bets, placed Monday to Sunday. Minimum odds of £1.55 free bet awarded at bet settlement. Valid for 72 hours. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. The Betfair backs racing welfare chip chase stakes. As we return to Newcastle, this will be at 150 on Sky Sports Racing C's Mubakar, um, who finished behind... Uh, he's already beat, I should say, a well-backed Roy Delargy horse last time out in Glenshiel. Uh, he's out, 3.5. Brando says go, 5.5. Judicial, 7.0. Uh, Major Jumbo, who I quite like, is 8.0. Tom, you can take the lead here. Uh, let's go for the 150 at Newcastle. Who do you like? Yep, 150 Newcastle. Judicial, I think, has turned into just shy of top-class sprinting. Uh, Julie Camacho, I think, deserves a huge amount of credit because she's done a brilliant job to get him to progress like he has. And at the age of eight, he's definitely lost none of his zip. I mean, he's, he's still judged on his Linkfield victory uh, in the Golden Rose Stakes that he had on his penultimate start. I mean, I, I don't know if you've seen that race, but it has to be seen to be believed, the way that he came from... His widest straw came from last, went right around the outside of the field, which is very difficult to do at Linkfield, no matter what the trip, but over a sprinting distance, it's almost unheard of. And Judicial made them all look extremely slow, went from last to first, going away at the finish. And despite the fact that a lot of his best form has come over five furlongs, he's quite clearly as adept at six. Um, this horse is a bit of a remarkable horse, to be honest, because at the age of eight, he still is very quick. Um, I think this six furlong trip, now that he's a bit older, might actually better benefit him slightly better. Um, he certainly finished very well at Linkfield, as I said, and I mean that's admittedly a sharper six furlong trip than he's the one to track that he's going to get in Newcastle. But um, I just think this this horse has got untapped, still got a little bit of untapped potential as a sprinter. I mean, he finished really, really well against Far Above. Well, unfortunately, we won't be seeing again on a race course in, in the Palace House Stakes. So I think it was going to be destined for Group 1 company. And that, that form is very, very strong indeed. He had Major Jumbo behind him that day, who won't reopposes again. Um, and I've always been of the opinion that certain horses do get on well with certain jockeys. I mean, it's not that they run better for different jockeys, but there are certain jockeys who have certain ways of horses. And I think Callum Rodriguez has, has, has made a really good partnership with Judicial. He's only ridden them in twice, but it was that, that Lingfield performance that was, that was, I mean, extraordinary to watch. And uh, then again, in his Palace House, which is a really good performance after a break. So there's every reason to expect him to strip a little bit fitter as well. Now he's had that behind him. And... Um, I think Judicial is essentially heading to this chip chase as a, as, as a horse who hasn't got a penalty, who perhaps should have one, um, because that Palace House performance behind a Group One, can, a future, well, would, would have been a future Group One horse, probably deserves a penalty. And so I think, yeah, Judicial is is the one to beat here. You can't fault Nubaka. He's done everything right. He won really impressively last time against Glen Shiel. This is much harder than a 0-100 handicap, though. He definitely needs to progress again on ratings, which, of course, he is liable to do after just four starts. Um, hand dynamic, too, his horses have been, well, his colours have been absolutely, I mean, winners in closure all week at Royal Ascot, weren't they? Um, and Mubaka for Sir Michael Stout, obviously, is expected to improve. But he's still got a bit to find with the likes of Judicial, with the likes of Brando, who's really a, a Group 1 horse running in a Group 3, but would be favoured for this if he showed his best form. But that Abernant performance was fairly dismal. Um, 
so he's passed over really I think one of the bigger prices who will run a big race is Harry's Bar who's who's done really well for James Fanshawe he keeps progressing too but I do think this is at the mercy of judicial um, a horse that I really like also I think has got an absolutely ton of speed but actually over six furlongs now might suit him better so hopefully judicial in the chip chase for me Harry's Bar 18.0 for that man Tom Marquand by the way but judicial the main selection for Tom Bull Rory are you in agreement or against uh I'm I'm against um, a judicial here. Um, yeah, he's been he's he's got I've I've got him wrong before. Um, I don't think he wants a stiff six. I think you know yes he was he was um, slightly bizarre race at Lingfield because he's a horse who generally wants to be up with the pace and he's he's missed it. He's badly drawn. He's he's come around the field to win very well. That was the a career best uh, at the age of seven for him when he's he's been around for a fair while. Um, and I thought he was beginning to lose his, his way uh, earlier in the season, um, but um, he, he very much came back when winning the uh, the Beverly Bullet. Um, but I still, he does still have an awful lot of speed, and the fact that he's—I think it's dangerous to assume that horses of his age, um, you know, are, are might need a little bit further. You'll find an awful lot of proper sprinters who just get faster as they get older, and their ability to see the trip out actually um, is compromised. Whereas we tend to think that. As they get older, horses gain a little bit of stamina. But sprinters, as they as they gain sort of body mass and, and they get stronger and they they're, um, they grow to be able to, to hold that, um, they tend to be explosive um, and are are are, um, are very good. There's a couple of um, horses who've won the Prix de la Baie, for example, um, at, uh, at an advanced age. My best Valentine, for example, who's a horse who's who'd been running over hurdles um, early in his career and as an eight-year-old. He was a brilliant five furlong performer. Uh, Les Arp, of course, obviously won the the, um, the July Cup. Who's another one who, who'd been running over hurdles as a younger horse and suddenly developed that speed. You you, you either develop stamina or you develop speed. And I think um, uh, judicial is is very much in the in the speed front. Um, what begins to go then is um, is ability uh, rather than anything else. So I'm a little bit worried for him staying the um, the stiff six here. This is very different um, to the, the the sharp six around Lingfield. I'm also worried about him being drawn out in stall two. Uh, I think this race will take shape towards the stand side rail. Um, the real speed in this race comes from the horses drawn highest of all, Major Jumbo and Brad the Brief. Um, and I'd expect um, Major Jumbo particularly to be, he's going to run a massive race. I can see him um, turning tables um, on you know, the Palace, uh, Palace House form around. Uh, he was he was third uh, that day, but stall twelve will be beneficial to him. I still want to be with one who's gonna who's gonna finish off well. It's always the way you want it um, uh, at Newcastle, and I'm gonna go with Mubaker, who you know I was very keen on Glen Shield last time out, and and to beat and Glen Shield did exactly what I thought he would do, and Mubaker's then beaten him almost three lengths um, with a bit in hand and probably not even on the right part of the track either. So that was really impressive um, for me. I know Glen Shield was beaten. Um, and ask her, but he was he was stepped back up to seven furlongs. As I said, I wanted to see him run. In, wouldn't have been guaranteed to get in the Walkingham, and they ran him um, in the Buckingham Palace instead, didn't they? Um, and he was a bit below form back at seven. Um, but you know, the reason I liked him that day is because I think he's one of those horses who would actually improve for dropping back to six. A horse who, who in his younger days, having run over a mile and a mile and a quarter in France. Um, so I thought that form was decent. You can argue it's been slightly let down since. Um, but uh, I, I tend to uh, I tend to disagree. If you look at the the horses who finished third and fourth, um, they've run at least as well since. I happen to think it's extremely strong form and shows them a backer is is, um, is better than a handicapper. Um, certainly, 
Um, he'd be uh, he's one with um, with with a fair bit in hand um, that day to, to win a, a sprint by almost three lengths um, without being all out um, suggests that you are um, a fair bit better than than your opposition. Um, so he's he's definitely up to this class. He will get the right the race run to suit, um, and he can come from just off the pace to uh, to nab uh, major jumble late in the day. And we'll see whether judicial is able to to conjure a run from much wider on the track. So Mubakar currently three point five on the bet for exchange for Rory Delargy. We'll switch to Racing's HQ to Newmarket for the two forty, the Criterion Stakes. Uh, Godolphin sent a big team over to the uh, to Paris, where thankfully racing has resumed, and hopefully that's a, a good sign of things to come. And uh, horses that were entered for this race ended up finishing first and second with uh, Space Blues and Dubai. So a uh, good result for them. They've got Mutazm. And on the warpath in this race, who are currently second and third favourite behind Lamato, who Adam Kirby rides for the first time. Harry Bentley will be in action at Newcastle. And he is currently 5-2 to two generally and on the bet for exchange 4.0 right now. Uh, Rory, the criterion stakes for you at Newmarket. Yeah, I'm, I'm against Lamato here um, on, his, um, on his reappearance. He's, he's getting a little bit long in the tooth now. And although he showed that he was almost as good as ever last year, um, he still needed a, a run before he um, he showed his best form. He's got a very mixed record fresh. Um, two seasons ago, he finished 10th in the lock-inch. I mean, that was arguably, obviously, slightly too far from me. I always wanted to turn him into a miler. It didn't work out. It took him a while to find his form. Um, and then last year, again, he's starting off in a, uh, in a tough contest in the, the Duke of York, but he, he ran well there, but improved for that. Uh, when winning this race on a second start. So the fact that he's coming here um, fresh um, makes me think that he might just be uh, vulnerable and he doesn't have an awful lot um, in hand of the others in this race anyway. Um, plenty of speed in the race. Um, Vale of Kent is now able to try to, to blaze a trail on the warpath. Um, is is capable of doing that as well. He's stepping up from handicaps last year. He did have a run in, um, in Maytown early in the season. Never really know how to take that with... Um, with the Godolphin horses. Uh, behind Lamata, what are the next couple in the betting with you there, um, Emmett? I can tell you right now, my man. So Lamato heads the betting at 4.0 on the bet for exchange. Mutatazm, uh, 6.0. Happy Power, 6.0. Vale of Kent, 8.0. Yafta, around 9.0. Sir Dancelot is 11.0. Same prices on the Warpath. Uh, tip to win, the rank outsider of the field. And uh, Tujuman is around about 15.0. Yeah, I wouldn't entirely rule tip to win out, although, you know, last season he um, he only had the two runs and um, he didn't show an awful lot. But, you know, bear in mind that uh, this is a horse he was placed in the Guineas uh, the year before that and from a yard that's done well this season. So he could easily bounce back tip to win. Um, I could give dear old Sir Dancelot a, a chance. It's not been, It's not been a good season thus far for David Ellsworth. Well, we were saying the same thing about him last summer and he ended up um, uh, he ended up with, with uh, a number of, of big race winners in the end. Um, the strike rate generally has, has gone down, but uh, David still does very well with his, his top horses. Um, he's one of a number who, who um, uh, went to Saudi Arabia to race and um, he was well beaten in the turf sprint out there, but um, he'll, uh, he'll bounce back before long and this is, this is pretty much his ideal scenario. Uh, one of those... Uh, 
proper seven furlong specialist, uh, Sir Dan Salotton. Um, I would um, I wouldn't put him at a big price if I was pricing this up. Um, Mukta seems short enough, I think, and given how tightly um, graded this looks out, he did run he, he did run very well in that race in in, uh, uh, in Saudi Arabia, um, finishing second to to Dark Power. But you know you don't want to be backing horses based on their form in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Uh, surely, uh, bad enough, bad enough relying on on um, on, on Maidan form holding up in the summer here, and it's um, I'd be a bit worried about. It. He is obviously a course and distance winner, but you know his his course and distance win uh, last season um, came in in handicap company, um, so he does need to prove that he can step up to this. I think he's more than capable of doing it, move to seem, um, but he is a um, he is a short price, all things considered, um, in in what looks a really a really tough race on the warpath would interest me. Um, as I said, he, he's, he was below form at Maidan on his, his previous start. Um, but he was, again, an, another horse who was an impressive winner over six furlongs here in Handicap Company last spring. Looks like he was he was going places. We didn't see him between May then and, and February this year. Um, but I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him improve again this season. Um, and double-figure price makes him interesting. Uh, I, I'd not be... Um, I'd not be throwing too much money at uh, this the way it stands, but I'd, I'd keep um, I'd keep Sir Dancelot on side um, because you know we, we've seen over the years that he's he's a, a, a very useful tool, uh, all things considered. I think you can pretty much ignore his run. As I said, I think you know I, I wouldn't be relying on on form shown in the desert uh, when looking at a uh, new market form in the summer, and yet it's liable to affect his price. The fact that he ran he ran poorly uh, behind the likely favourite here. Uh, means that that's going to affect his price, and I think it probably shouldn't. He might just need the run anyway, um, coming back from a break. But the fact that he, you know, he had that trip and, and they prepared him for that should make it easier to get him fit for a summer campaign. Um, and he doesn't have an awful lot to find, uh, and I think he'll, you know, he'll enjoy conditions. Um, so he's he's a player, but it's a really tight race, um, and it's not. I, I I would definitely be betting on the strength of. Um, uh, of value prices here rather than taking a strong view in any one runner. Yeah, that seems to make perfect sense to me. It's 24 runners since David Ellsworth has had a winner over a course of 153 days. You obviously have to factor Rona into that, um, but not ideal for the stable right now. Uh, Tom, no, you- we had, we, again, we had exactly the same conversation um, before he he, um, uh, he popped up with, with big race winners last year. Yeah. You know, his strike rate, his strike rate through the... Um, through the, the spring and early summer was was poor, um, but you know he gets uh, he gets winners when he wants them, and he lets people know that although he's in his seventies now, he's lost none of his flair, and he can still do that. Oh, most definitely he can. And uh, of course, Ryan Moore came in for the ride when he was over in Saudi Arabia. It's form lines we're going to have to start getting used to, I suspect, from now on. Uh, Tom, your thoughts on the Criterion? Yeah, it's, it's a really tricky race, uh, really competitive, a cracking race, actually, I think, this year. Uh, I think it could well be between the Godolphin pair. I'm also taking on Limato because I think he needs everything to drop right these days. He has needed a run in the past, and he deserves to be favourite on his second to Mustachery in the challenge stakes, but I think he'll need this. So I'm going to take him on. I think on the warpath is, is a really good bet for this. Um He's got quite. He's quite closely matched with Mubda Sim. Actually, he exchanged pleasantries, if you will, with him uh, when beating him at Maidan in February last year, and then finished second to him uh, when they came back to England and raced on the Rowley Mile. But it's his next performance that really stands out for me. Is he thrashed a decent field 
uh, at this track and had um, pretty unlucky uh, Wilkie and runner-up, who probably should have won that race, Summerhand, uh, three lengths back in second. So that form now looks pretty strong. And uh, after that race, you'd have said, well, on the warpath, he's a surefire group winner in the waiting. Um, he returned to Maidan with a pretty good effort in fourth off top weight in a reasonably competitive handicap earlier in the year. Um, I know that was back in February. Hopefully that would have blown away some of the cobwebs and they would have kept him, kept him um, on the go. So I don't really understand why he's such a big price. Personally, um, I would put him slightly ahead of Mubtasim as, as in, in terms of the two good orphan runners. Um, he loves top of the ground. And for a five-year-old, he's still pretty lightly raced. Um, and I'd expect him, as I said, to get the better of Mubtasim, even though that one ran, actually ran a really big race in Riyadh. Beat some very, very um, kind of seasoned seven-year-olds, um, seven-year-old, seven-furlong specialists that day. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I think the Godolphin pair are going to fight out. But there are a couple of interesting runners, that, you know, who haven't been seen for a while. Yafter is certainly a very interesting horse, not potentially not for this race, but for going forward later in the season. Um, it, you know, he's he's produced some very nice form in the past. Um, he's a horse who, I have to say, I thought produced a really nice return in listed company at Haydock over this trip behind a horse, a very exciting individual called Space Blues for Godolphin. Um, I thought it was a really nice performance. He'd been off for nearly uh, nearly a year, just under a year. And um, yeah, I mean, quite clearly needed it, but it was fifth that day, only beaten two in a, just over two lengths and went off a massive price. So clearly it was expected to come on for that run. So I can see after running a big race here, possibly not winning, but later in the season, getting one of these seven fellow handicaps, no, seven fellow group races, maybe maybe the one that, um, maybe the Lennox or one of that, that Goris would be up his street. Um, and Terjeman as well in the first time visor for Roger Varian, who's had a wonderful week, as did Jim Crowley at Royal Ascot. He's, he's a horse with, with bags of potential. He's only had a few a few starts and it's very exciting too. But this could just come at too early a stage in their careers, I think, um, or their seasons, I should say, probably. So on the warpath for me, I think I'm pretty confident he's going to run a big race and I don't really get why he's such a big price compared as a, his um, his good orphan rival moved to him, so he he'd be the one at the prices, and you're going to get three places each way. So definitely uh, worth backing each way, I think. And technically speaking, on jockey bookings, he is the first choice, so that makes it even mm. more confusing that he's the price that he is. But uh, yeah, you can you can do well right now on the Betfair Exchange, uh, 7.0 currently about on the warpath, who is a, a big fancy for Tom. Uh, we'll switch back to the Curra. Sunday. Now, this is a tricky one, so we won't dwell too long on it, but the 4.45, the Pretty Polly, if things go to plan, we should see Magical make her seasonal reappearance here. Um, Aidan O'Brien was hoping that she would stay in training. The lads then decided to send her to the breeding shed and then all of a sudden changed their mind and brought her back. And they rerouted her from Royal Ascot to the Pretty Polly Stakes. There's now potential that Magic Wand could line up instead. Uh, but Rory, you've got one at a price in this. Well, I, I just I just happen to have one that I, that I put forward as, as uh, one to follow for the season when I wrote this up last year. Um, KM Pepper, who who is in there, um, was a, a filly I put forward as my idea of the Oaks winner um, at Epsom this season. So, in a manner of speaking, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see her. We don't have any, any um, um, Epsom entries as, uh, as yet because of the, the change in, in protocol. Um, but I'd kind of like to, to think that she might... Um, she might go there instead, but she, uh, she very much took my eye last season. She she um, uh, she won twice before going to Newmarket for the Phillies Mile, where she finished fourth just behind Love. Um, I thought, I mean, that obviously was very good for him. The, uh, the, the runner-up's been injured since, but Quasar Lashall was the winner um, who's been... Uh, 
uh, placed in the Guineas in the Coronation Stakes this year. Um, but the, the the one that caught the eye uh, in the race for me was, was Cayenne Pepper, um, who didn't really handle the track, wasn't particularly well suited by the way the race was run, but finished off really nicely once she got balanced again. I know that it's a race that suited the finishers to a degree, but I don't think it, it, the, the race suited her as well as it did some others. I thought she shaped better than Love that day. Um, uh, as I said, she um, she didn't seem particularly at home in the trial. She didn't handle the dip terribly well. Uh, and she, she didn't have much momentum coming out of it. Um, and yet, despite that, um, she ran on uh, without being knocked about to, to finish a highly creditable fourth in, in a very strong race. And I thought, this is a filly that I really want to be with next year. She's going to improve a lot. She's she's going to improve on pedigree for stepping up to a mile and a quarter and beyond. So if she does rock up here, then I'd be very interested in her chances. Um, but as I said, you know, I, I had her down as, as a really interesting one for um, um, for Epsom. Uh, and I'd love to see her go there. But she's, she's definitely a filly to keep on the right side of. Big time. I would, I would very much agree with that. And it wouldn't be that much of a surprise if Magical needs this. I know that she got off to a winning start last season, but it wouldn't be an awful surprise if she needed the run. Uh, Tom, for you? Um, oh yeah, I, I think I think it, I think Magical or Magic One will win. Uh, it'll be either one of those two. I know that's not really saying a lot because they're first and second favourite, but um, they are they are, in my opinion, enough ahead of their rivals to warrant being the ones who are going to win this. But I have to say, one thing I will just mention actually is that Fleeting, I've followed for well ever since you know she was in her early throes of her career, and um, this is again a race that she shouldn't, in my opinion, possibly. We shouldn't be running in. She needs one mile four and needs slightly softer ground. I think she is the type of filly who could be a player in something like a soft ground King George or a soft ground out of the string off because I still don't think we've seen the best of her. She has found, found trouble in running on almost every start I can remember. And provided she gets a clear run, she's a very useful tool. And I know this, you're not, well, that's not what you asked me in terms of this race, but I think going forward, if she gets soft ground over a mile and a half in a group one this season, I think she'll be very interesting because she won't be a short price. She's always going to be an outsider or relatively in, in group one company, but she's definitely worth keeping an eye on. So, um, and the other one actually in this race to keep an eye on is Rocca Roma, who, I mean, has got an awful lot to find um, with the, some, some bigger, bigger players in this race. But Joe Lyons wouldn't just chuck her in this if he didn't think she was capable of holding her own. Um, she's only a maiden winner last time out, but she won impressively. And um, I think she's going to have a big future, particularly now that she's stepping up in trip. But yeah, fleeting on soft ground in the uh, the King George, if, it's, if it gets a bit of rain, she'd be she'd be one to look forward to in the future, I think. And Rockaroma was an intended runner in the Irish 1000 Guineas, but they had to withdraw her. And it would have been quite the bold move to go from a maiden where she was still a maiden into that race, but uh, it didn't happen. Alas, she she was to go and win next time out though. So uh, add her to your at the races tracker for sure. And keep an eye on Rock Aroma and uh, fleeting, good old fleeting. Massive dose of seconditis, but a good one for the forecast though. <laughs> I very- don't think she's done with just yet. I don't think she's done with just yet. We'll see, we'll see. Uh, the Celebration Stakes <laughs> was a race that you were quite keen to talk about as well, Tom. The 5.45 at the Curran Sunday. Yeah, um... Oh, I think it's on Saturday, actually. Uh, I believe. Apologies, it is. It is 27th of June. Apologies. Uh, Magical will be having her comeback on Sunday in the Pretty Polly. This race will be live on RTE with Jane Mangan uh, alongside the RTE crew. So what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, it's a, I think it's a fascinating listed race, this one. Often often you get uh, horses who are kind of like flight risk and ancient spirit, who, who kind of, you know their level, and this is around about their level. Um, and there's a few in there, Raise You and Georgeville, who are definitely unexposed and have potential over this kind of, in this level, in this grade. Joseph O'Brien has just recently acquired Raise You from Andrew Balding, and he's wearing a first-time tongue tie. So you just don't know what you can expect from, from that kind of rival. But the horse that I really like in this race is Bowerman, or Bowerman, depending on your where you come from. Um, he was a really devastatingly impressive winner of the Irish Lincoln, I thought. Uh, he'd been running on the all-weather before that and switched to turf, just showed him in a completely different line. I mean, I know he'd been in very good form in the all-weather as well, but this was a, this was a really different, a very different level of performance. He, he travelled into it beautifully on the rail at the Curra, and as soon as he got daylight, he quickened up in really fine style, vis- visually, uh, a very impressive performance, and, and put daylight between him and some some really, you know, top handicappers. I think Bowman will win this and be a group performer in time. I don't think this is the strongest of the listed races in the world, and definitely on that performance in the Irish Lincoln, you'd expect him to be able to land a listed race at least. And the fact that he's improving all the time for the tender handling of Adrian McGuinness suggests that he will keep getting better. And I think he's got a big, big, big chance in that race, which as I said, I think it's the strongest race in the world. And I'd be very surprised if he wasn't banged out at the finish. Yeah, Ronan Whelan at the helm, you would imagine he'll be hard to beat. Rory, for you? Uh, I, I don't have a strong opinion other than to ask you if you've ever felt the tender handling of Adrian McGuinness. <laughs> Tom? <laughs> no, I haven't, but hopefully one day I will. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, what worry means is a, a nice hug when the Rona protocols are ended in the winner's enclosure. Yay! Uh, Rory, the 225 at Newcastle. Am I right in thinking you've unearthed one for us here? Uh, I'm not sure if I've, if I've unearthed uh, one in it. Um, if I can even find the uh, find the, the, the contest here. Um, this is the uh, Gosforth Park Cup, isn't it? That is correct. It's the Betfair Free Bet Streak Gosford Park Cup. That's grand. Uh, my my laptop is is refusing to play ball. I can't get the uh, I can't get the runners up at all. But I know that um, I know that Tom has a, has an opinion on the race as well. So I'll I'll join in in a second when I plug it out. All right, Tom, you can bail out Rory so and uh, give us your idea of who you think is going to win this race. Yeah, it's not it's not a strong opinion on some of my other opinions on on the weekend, um, like Bama, for example. But I do think a horse called Lahore is a sprinter going places and. Last time out, I was quite impressed with him at Doncaster because he kind of came from the rear to win a nice handicap when not too much was coming from the rear that day at all. And he was came with a wet sail, um, showed a very nice turn of foot that day. And Philip Macon, as we all know as a former jockey, is really making pretty good waves as a train. I think he's got a real future in this discipline. And I think this will be the last time we see Lahore before he takes on possibly listed or group company because I think the drop to five furlongs last time has helped him massively he spent most of his career over six but he finished so well for for five last time that a track like Newcastle is is going to help him a lot I think um a straw five not uh, could potentially be a, a problem for him if he doesn't come over to the near side but um he likes to come from the rear so hopefully they can just drop him behind and he can come up the rail for, for a, uh, a flying finish towards the end of the race under all-weather king ben curtis um so lahore for me uh, i think he's around about five to one ish um but he's got a big future as a sprinter i think for philip macon who, who i really rate yeah and ben curtis of course on the crest of a wave having won the albany at royal ascot last week could he be in the winner's enclosure again on sky sports racing on saturday lahore in the 225 at newcastle rory if you happen to back up this selection then we'll be going a bit mad uh who are you going for 
Sadly not. Ah, oh, damn it. Uh, I'm afraid, although, you know, Lahore should have this race run to suit, um, as, he, as he did at, uh, at Doncaster last time out. You've got, you've got um, the old boys, Ornate and Caspian Prince, um, uh, who are as fast as ever, despite their advancing, you know, Ornate's a, a relative youngster at seven, but Caspian Prince is an 11-year-old and still all speed. Um, they'll be blazing a trail up the centre of the track, which, which should help either wing to get into this, to be honest, because... I don't think I think they'll they'll run to their draw and they'll come pretty much centre. Um, so there shouldn't be any excuses. Uh, I like um, I like Copper Knight, who was a bit disappointing um, in a, um, a slightly tactical race um, last time in the Achilles Stakes at, uh, at Doncaster. Um, he wouldn't be winning on that form. I'm afraid to say that was the same day that uh, that Lahore um, uh, was successful at the track. Um, I would um, I would fancy him in the form he showed um, when finishing second in this race last year, um, and Tim used to be after sending out a stream of losers has been has started getting the winners in. Tim's one of those trainers who you 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 know if you look at his overall strike rate you would think oh I couldn't back anything from that yard. Just one of those yards you need to pay really close attention to. Um, and work out when the, the, they run into form in, at, at various times of the year. And again, he's got plenty of horses, Tim. His, the easy attitude to horses generally is, you know, if they're, if they're fit enough to run, churn them out, get them going. And sometimes, you know, when they're not particularly well handicapped, they'll keep running and they'll drop down the weights. Or when they're, you know, they're at 100%, they're still capable of, of, um, of running respectively. But um, when, they, when they do blossom, they tend to end up becoming pretty well handicapped. He's not. He hasn't dropped down the weights particularly, but he's a high class sprinter um, who's well suited by um, uh, a, a very strongly run five furlongs on a flattish uh, track. Um, York's probably his ideal venue. A very good record at York, but he's also run extremely well here, and he was beaten less than a length, um, giving tons of weight away to fool for you last year. Richard Fahey's winner. Um, that, that one cried eight stone nine. Copper Knight um, had nine stone twelve, so he was given he was given lumps away to to one. Um, um, to pretty much everything around him, including Dakota Gold, who was fifth uh, in receipt of eight pounds. Um, a repeat of that form will pretty much win Copper Knight this race. Um, and the question is whether he's whether he's quite as good. Um, he hasn't been just quite at his best this season. He ran very well in his penultimate start, and he's not the type to be suited by small fields at spring contests. He wants to have um, pace to run at. Um, he, he'll not be far off the pace, um, but he doesn't want to be doing the donkey work himself and he doesn't want the sort of stop-start gallop. He, he wants to be able to latch on to a speed horse in front of him uh, and for the field to go hard. And that's what he's going to get here. So there's no reason why he shouldn't run his race and he's bound to go well. Okay, that is the 225, the Betfair Free Bet Street Gotsford Park Cup. It's Lahore for Tom and Copper Knight uh, for Rory Delargy. Keep an eye on Sunday, and it is Sunday at the car, the 235, the maiden. Uh, if you go on to At The Races right now and look at the card, you will see some beautifully bred horses for a number of different yards, but particularly for Aidan O'Brien. Um, but there's a lot of well-named, beautifully bred horses in there, and uh, they could all be well worth following. Brazil's probably going to be the standout. And uh, the other race you should be keeping an eye on over the weekend is the Phillies Maiden uh, on the same card, 2 o'clock, where, again, some beautifully bred horses involved. And we are going to see Chief Little Hawk at the weekend. Chief Little Hawk is going to run in the five furlong listed race at the Curra. Uh, which is 5.15 on Saturday. So it's not 5.15, apologies. It's the 6.45, just before the Irish Derby 
on Saturday. So we'll see if Chief Little Hawk can uh, make up for his less than fantastic effort at uh, Royal Ascot. Although, bear in mind, he's a juvenile. This is his second start, and he was only beaten five lengths by the Queen's Tactical, so I'd be willing to forgive him that. Best bets, gentlemen, for the weekend. Tom, we'll start with you. Your nap of the weekend. Yeah, I think Bowman's going to be really hard to beat in the celebration stakes at 5.45. Um, he's just improving rate of knots, and I think... Um, this is the kind of level of race that is the perfect stepping stone for him. And I'd be very surprised if he wasn't capable of winning at this level before going on to, to bigger targets later in the season. So I think, I think I'd think i be very disappointed if Bowman wasn't bang there at the finish and if he didn't win. And I hope he, win, I hope he wins impressively because I can see him going further up the ranks in time. Celebration with Edo McGuinness on the way. Uh, Rory DeLarge for you, your best bet of the weekend. Uh, I go Coast Smelly in the uh, in the Northumberland Plate, um, specifically um, backing him each way, either at the enhanced place terms or when uh, Betfair's um, uh, sports book market goes up and do the the, the clever thing of um, uh, of reducing it to four places um, and getting a bigger uh, price as a result. That's often a um, uh, a good way to play these these things. He's got a very very good record over course and distance in similar races, uh, winning the Vals two years ago, finishing a close fifth in this off a much higher mark last year, um, and he should be right in the mix. So um, looks a solid each way back. I'm liking that, and that's uh, a tactic that a lot of Final Furlong podcast listeners have started to adapt as well, Rory. So uh, nice one for the heads up on that. Um, just very finally, Rory, you've written a tribute to Liam Treadwell. We spoke about the tragic incident yesterday with Jane Mangan and Caroline Murta, but you've written a tribute about him. Um, do, would you like to share your thoughts? Uh, well, it's, uh, that, that, that will appear in the Irish field on uh, Saturday, all being, all being well. Um, I, yeah, well, it's just, we had a, just had a discussion off air um, about this and, and all related issues. And it's, there's a big discussion to be had um, about mental health and racing um, and how it's best dealt with. And I wonder, while we've become, we've made it less of a taboo subject in the last couple of years um, by repeating the mantra that it's okay not to be okay and by, you know, reminding people to pick up the phone and and, and call a friend who you, you think may... Uh, benefit from a chat and you never know what kind of difference that's going to make uh, but I just, and I've, I've not touched on this and, and what I've written but we were discussing this off air and I, I wonder whether why that's a really positive message um, to get us away from a subject that ha- that is generally taboo and I guess in Ireland particularly taboo um, to be able to talk about it in a in a straightforward way without all the um, the baggage that's attached to it, um, but we need to move on from that as well. We need to make sure that we have an infrastructure that that means that um, uh, people who have made racing their lives um, don't feel bereft uh, when they leave racing or when you know or when they uh, are, are no longer doing exactly what they what they love doing. And listen. Um, Liam was riding winners in March. His last his last um, ride was a winner. So we, we can't we can't make judgments about how these things happen or, or what the the triggers are. Um, but 
you know, the one thing I've heard from a lot of people um, in the last few days is the need for uh, proper support and, and an infrastructure where it, is, it isn't always beholden on them to cry out for help because it's an exceptionally difficult thing to do, um, particularly when you, when you do need help. It takes, an awful, it takes a certain kind of courage to, to admit that you're vulnerable and it's really useful to do that and, and where you can, you absolutely should. But what I hear from people in that situation is, please don't ask me to reach out to you. Reach out to me. And that's what we need to do. That's what I was saying yesterday about if there's somebody in your life that you haven't heard from for a while, pick up the phone. If you don't want to make a call, send a WhatsApp. Um, it is incredibly easy to say, call the Samaritans, go to your GP. But it does take an immense amount of courage to do that. And Rory's right. It's, it's less taboo. And at the same time, is it? Because if you do go and, and say to your doctor, well, first of all, as men, we tend to be like, oh, I'm not going to the doctor. Pfft, screw that. I mean, we, the three of us could have had coronavirus. We'd be like, nah, I'm not going to the doctor. It's a difficult thing to, to do in the first place. But to talk about your mind and your headspace and where it is and why are your thoughts like this? Why are you down? Why are you low? Are you the only one who's like this? Does nobody else feel this way? You don't want to put pressure on other people. It's almost a losing battle and we're all different and we're all unique and our minds work differently. And what will work for one person won't necessarily work for another. But Rory's right. It shouldn't be a case of that. You have to reach out. You have to be the one who calls the Samaritans. You have to be the one who goes through to the GP that someone can come to you, but that's not always going to be the case. And you do have to realize that while it can be really dark at times and you can feel like there's no way out, there is. There really is. Doesn't seem like it, but there is. And the more I think about this story, Tom, the more it's, I didn't know him, but the more desperately sad it is because it just reminds me of other people who have unfortunately lost this battle as well. And that's what it is. It's a battle. We're in a fight here. Suicide rate in Ireland is off the charts bad. There are certain areas where it's, it's horrific. And why those geographical locations are so bad, I, could, I couldn't tell you. But it is a battle, and it's, it's one that we're losing. We're trying to get the message out there. It, it doesn't seem to be working, though, Tom. No, no, you I mean, the, the, the Liam Trebwell uh, story is just a desperately tragic one. And it, and it follows on from, from James Banks's his terrible death as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to try and explain any better than either you or Rory have eloquently put already. Um, but, you know, it can't carry on the way it is at the moment. Something has to be done. Um, we, knew, we knew Liam Trebwell had issues with things in the past and... Um, that possibly makes his death even more tragic because it was arguably, well, not preventable, but we knew that these things were happening in his life and we knew that, you know, he'd required help in the past. 
Um, and I think it just needs to. I mean, I just saw a minute ago that there's a, a, a 16 year old TikTok um, uh, influencer has, has just committed suicide. Jesus. So I mean, it, it's it's just everywhere. It's everywhere, isn't it? In society. But I mean, I, I know that racing, particularly recently, has, has, has really suffered from this, and. It, you know, we need to be raising awareness more than we are. It's very difficult to put to put a to know to know really how how to combat it completely. But there is, you know, as long as you can make make as much effort as you can to get people to, to if they are they are struggling to try and get them to to talk to people, and that, that's that's the only thing really we can do. Because I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the time you don't know if someone's struggling, and you need to get a message to them without telling them directly because you don't know um and that's that's part of the issue as well it's very difficult to know who is struggling um but i was i was particularly taken aback by by liam trebwell's death particularly because i knew he was such a lovely guy mm. and he was incredibly popular and i know that venetia williams you know adored him alistair ralph he was incredibly popular at the yard and he had so many friends and um i'm i'm, I'm good mates with uh, with jack sherwood uh, who's given up writing now but um uh, he's, he's he was said that he said liam Trevor was just the most lovely guy um and yeah i mean you know any 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 suicide is, is dreadful but particularly one so close to home and and so hopefully you know, it, it, in the future, it can be eradicated, and we can get back to you know to people not being so desperately unhappy in their lives. The mind is a complex thing, and you never know the burden that someone is carrying and what pain is behind someone's smile, or what's going on behind the facade it can all that can you can pretend that everything's fine everything's great it's brilliant it's not though so the only thing that the three of us can do is to say if somebody hasn't reached out to you go see your gp make a call to the smartens call somebody who you know you can rely on not someone who's just going to be there for a night out someone you know you can talk to and if you don't want to talk to someone that you love or that you care about because you feel as though that's too much of a burden or it's too much to do that, call the Samaritans. No shame in it. Nothing wrong with it at all. And there is nothing wrong with your mind affecting how you are. Because believe me, it happens to everybody. There isn't a person on this planet who hasn't had those thoughts. Very few talk about it, but that's the way it is. And I hope that you're okay. And I hope that you're well. And I also hope that if there's anything that can be got from this, it's that this frightening thing, this terrible tragedy is a wake up call to you that if you've ever had those thoughts, don't do it. Don't permanent solution to a temporary problem. You can't take it back. Look at the stats. 97% of people who survive a suicide attempt are so glad they did. So don't. If you can't have someone reach out to you, make that effort. And be strong. The whole lockdown hasn't helped things. It certainly hasn't helped things. But anyway, we've got weekend winners there, hopefully for you. 
Um, some very bullish comments, by the way, the more I think about it from Rory and from Tom. So hopefully we'll be talking about a few winners in the weekend review on Monday. Uh, Rory is back on Thursday as we look ahead to the Derby at Epsom. That's another thing I'll say as well is focus on good things. We've got racing back. If there's hobbies that you can engage in, do that as well and just try and embrace life because it's precious and it's short, but enjoy it. Um, I think we've got some winners in there. I'm certainly hoping that we do. Uh, maybe my betting account balance will take a right old tumble or it'll be in gravy over the weekend. I'm not entirely sure. But Tom, thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, fantastic to have you on again and looking forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. Uh, you in the paper this weekend? I appreciate that. And it's really kind of you to have me on. Um, yeah, make sure you get the paper this weekend. It's going to be a cracking edition, what with so much good racing in both England and Ireland. Um full silk guides, full form guides uh, in the sun and make sure to go on Twitter and Instagram too where sun racing is uh, is making waves. Um, so hopefully, yeah, be a good weekend of winners and Bowerman can do the business. Excellent stuff. Roy Delargy, you're in the Irish field at the weekend? I am indeed. Um, so the usual the usual stuff for, for me there, including a, um, uh, a recap of the final day at Royal Ascot. Um, uh, which is uh, just gone, but also looking forward to, to this week's racing. As I said, um, uh, hopefully a fitting tribute to uh, to the life and career of Liam Treadwell in there as well. No doubt about it. Um, eloquent as always. Uh, there is fantastic content available for you right now on attheraces.com, including Geath or Reath gearing up for his clash with Enable in the Eclipse. Another thing we'll be talking about very, very soon. And as I mentioned earlier on, friend of the show, Tony Keenan, has been talking about uh, the major Irish trainers and who to be following. And uh, he's got a bet for the Irish Derby as well. I'll just tell you, it's Tiger Moth. We're on the same page. Uh, we'll chat to you on Monday on the Final Forum podcast. Have a good weekend. Mind yourself. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Will it happen or won't it happen? You can bet on it with the Betfair Exchange. Proud sponsors of the Final Furlong podcast. Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.